I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome on today's episode of Partially Excited. We got Tracy Marie Meninsky. She is an amazing individual. And hello, welcome to the show, Tracy. How are you doing today? Ah, oh, that's great. Thank you very much for having me on, Aaron. Really appreciate it. Great to be here. Tracy, it sounds like you have a Welsh or English accent. Where are you from? From Cardiff in South Wales. I'm Car- a Cardiff girl with a Polish surname. <laughs> it's a real mouthful. I, I don't know whoever got that name, but it's, it's a mouthful indeed. It's Paul's grandfather. He was in World War. Yeah. And uh, he met Paul's grandmother up in London. She was a photographer up in London. And uh, they fell in love. And unfortunately, he got killed in action in the war. She was a widow at a very young age, which was a shame. But uh, I love the name Smolinski. When I met Paul, I started calling him Mr. Smo because I used to say Slominski. And he said, no, it's Smolinski. And I just said, oh, Mr. Smo. <laughs> so everyone calls me Mrs. Smo. Or Mr. Smoke. Wow, that, that's cool. A bit of a mouthful. Oh, it is. Everyone has their own version of a mouthful of their names, I think. Tracy, tell us about your little background and where you grew up and what it was like to grow up in Cardiff and all that kind of stuff. I was an only child. My father was a policeman. Uh, my mother was a secretary um, and a typist. I was an only child because my mum had a back problem. She had disc problems when I was a little girl. And my father always wanted more children, but unfortunately the doctors told my mum not to have any more children because of a a weakness in her back. So hence I became an only child. Um, But because I'm a lover of people, always wanted loads of friends around me, because I think it's always been in me from a very young age. My mum always wished that she'd had more children because in the school holidays, when uh, my father used to do night shift and then obviously look after me, he picked my mum up from, she used to work like 10 till two in the afternoon. And when he picked her up, it was a car full of kids. And she said, oh my gosh, I wish I so had more children because I've always got a car full of kids around anyway. So I suppose from that very young age, I always loved people, loved being around people. And then obviously 
my mum and dad, when my dad, he went into the pub trade when I was quite young. I was only 11 at the time, which was awesome. And I absolutely loved it because I'd come down into my living room and it was a pub full of people. That gave me, I suppose, the inspiration that one day I wanted to do my own business and, and obviously it'd be in, in the people industry. So um, that's where I suppose the, you know, it cemented the idea for me living in the pub that I obviously wanted to go on and do something for myself eventually, you know. That must have been cool to have your own pub downstairs. It was, it was great. My friends used to love coming over and uh, we used to have a pool table and then we had a couple of pubs and my father went, he, he initially started working for a local brewery. He was one of the managers. In the one pub that we lived in, there was a pool table. In another pub, there was a skittle alley. So I used to play skittles. So it was really good fun. But in the end, he, he didn't want to work for a brewery anymore. He wanted to buy his own pub. So he ended up buying his own which was the Inn on the River in Cardiff. It was an amazing place, but he used to have live bands every night. So again, I'd come down into the living room and it was entertainment every single night. So growing up as a 16-year-old in the pub, I absolutely loved it and obviously worked behind the bar as well. So created myself a job at the time. <laughs> what did you love about it? The people, you know, and obviously I'm a bit of a party girl. I love socializing and mixing with other people. Loved listening to live music. And, you know, we'd have a dance and it was just it was just a really nice atmosphere in the pub. That's what I loved about it. It was a social aspect of it because I'm a bit of a social butterfly, you know. Not so much now as I get older because <laughs> I think as you get older, you can't do it so much as, uh, as when you were 16, 17. But, um, but yeah, I still love going out with friends and having dinner and things. And what did you like to drink at that stage? Um, cider. I was a cider girl. I'm Strongbow. I used to love Strongbow. But uh, I used to get a bit too drunk on Strongbow. It wasn't great the next morning after a little hangover. I was a bit of a wild child. I went on to vodka and orange and then vodka cranberry. And now I'm on gin and cranberry. So I like a, a little bit of pink gin. So uh, that's more my little tipple now when I go out with friends. Yeah, Strongbow. It's strong. It's strong in the bow. It hurts you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Did you like going into school or was did you feel that like it was just more partying and socialising in you at that time? I was a bit of a naughty girl in school because I used to chat a lot. I was a li right little chatterbox, and, but I was also a bit of a prankster. So I used to mess about a little bit. I wasn't the greatest of students because my mum always used to say, you've got the attention span of a gnat. I used to get bored quite easily and I used to you know, daydream quite a lot. But I, I always say now that my daydreaming was always thinking of new ideas and new goals in my life that I wanted to achieve. I always had these exciting things things in my head that I wanted to do, which I think is quite entrepreneurial. You know, I was never the academic schoolgirl that, you know, that many children are, you know. Um, the head teachers had to call my father up to the school because I used to mess around. And I remember once I let off a laughing bag in the middle of assembly. And, and at the time I was in a private school run by nuns. So the nuns were doing assembly, singing obviously all these hymns. And I was uh, letting off laughing bags and sitting on whoopee cushions as though I was fluffing, you know? So I was I was a bit naughty. <laughs> so no, I, I, I did stay on for school. I went to, that was obviously the Our Lady's Convent in Cardiff. And then I went to um, St. Cyrus Comprehensive, which was in Panath, about half an hour away from the private school. But in the private school, they only had the normal bog standard A-levels that you could do. So like your geography, your sciences, maths, English. Whereas in the comprehensive, there was more choice of, of A-levels and I was quite interested in studying law uh, and economics so that's why I went to a comprehensive so I could have the choice of not just doing your normal bog standard sciences or, or English language or English literature or maths or, or French or English I wanted to do something a little bit different because having studied law I was thinking of becoming a solicitor but when I did study law I found it very boring and um, realised it wasn't for me <laughs> Why did you want to become a lawyer at that time? 
Um, I don't know. I think it just, you know, at the time, you know, law interested me. And I thought, you know, uh, being a lawyer was good money. You know, you're chasing the, the, the big income, thinking, oh, well, maybe if I become a good lawyer, I can have my own practice. But then when I was reading all the precedents and, you know, all, all the things for, for my A-levels, it just bore the pants off me. So I thought, no, this isn't for me. So I, I obviously went down a different path. Did you go and study economics as well in school or did that kind of bore you as well? That, that bored me as well, to be honest. Yeah. So I did, I did do that. And, um, you know, I passed my exam, but I didn't want to do that as a career. So my first job was working for a finance house. So I was a, a, you know, an admin clerk. But again, I hated admin. It wasn't my forte. And I was like, oh my God, this is boring me to death. You know, had a lot of fun in the office with my, um, with my co-workers. But again, the admin side of things wasn't for me. And then I got offered a job as a telesales girl in the, the local newspaper, the Western Mail and Echo it was at the time. So I started selling advertising space and I got taught how to sell. That was really good grounding for me and I absolutely loved that job. It sounds like the admin bored you, but what actually creates that boredom for you? I think it was just paperwork. You know, I'm not really into doing paperwork. It just bores me. Whereas sales is talking to people and, and obviously trying to close a deal. I found that quite challenging. I loved the, you know, the, the hunt of the, the sale. Um, and then when I did achieve the sales, which I was quite quite a good salesperson at the time, I went on to be sales rep of the year. I then got promoted to sales manager. And then obviously I trained a lot of my team to become better salespeople. And, and I really loved that about the job. And, you know, because that doing sales, it was talking, you know, which is what I love to do. And I think you're either good with your hands or you're good with your mouth. <laughs> Um, and I wasn't great. I wasn't a good. I wasn't good at art. I wasn't good at sewing. I've got a funny story. My mother. My mum's a really good sewer, and she was a machinist as well. She had her own machine at home, and she used to make a lot of my clothes. So she always wanted me to be able to learn how to sew, and she tried to teach me how to sew, and she tried to teach me how to knit, and I hated it because I didn't have a lot of patience. And again, it was doing things with my hands, so it wasn't my bag. And I remember she tried to teach me how to knit and I got so impatient, I literally wrapped the, the wool around the knitting needle in temper. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> so it was like this big ball of, uh, of wool that, it, you know, that, that I just couldn't knit. And then with a the sewing, another funny story, I used to catch the train into school. My mum used to go into town and sometimes she'd come home, well, more often than not, she'd catch the same train home as me after I'd finished school. I remember she sat there the one day and she looked at me horrified. And I said, what's the matter? She went, you little madam, she said, you didn't sew your hem on your skirt like I asked you to the other night. She could see a load of safety pins that I put there because I didn't want to sew them. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, it was doing something with my hands, but get me on a stage, get me to speak to people, get me to sell to people. That was my forte, I absolutely loved it. It's interesting how your tongue or your hands and your hands are not your, your tongue, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know, And uh, but yeah, I, I, I was no good at sewing or, or knitting or anything like that. And I, you know, I'm okay at cooking, but I'm not great at cooking. My mother is, is a good baker, so she does everything with her hands. She's really, really clever, and I'm the complete opposite to my mum in that sense. And when you started going into sales, did you feel like, oh, this is not for me, but probably in a week or two or later down the road, you realised, yeah, this is for me? Straight away, I knew it was for me. I was just so eager to learn, you know, because it was completely different from an administrative role in a finance company. It was exciting. It was the, the you know, the, the excitement of whether I get the sale or not. It was learning new skills of how to sell because 
people do say you're either a born salesperson or you're not, but I don't always believe that because a lot of people still need to be taught how to sell. You can be a good communicator and speak to people, but there's an art to selling. And a lot of people think they can sell when actually they're good communicators, but they haven't actually been taught to sell and the, you know, the way of, of actually seeing opportunities and closing deals. And, and there is an art to it, which I learned quite well. <laughs> so were you the person that had the skill to sell or the communicator that was taught how to sell? I was a communicator that was taught how to sell. I didn't know how to sell in the beginning. And, and as I say, that they, they brainwashed you into, into selling the right way. And, and it, it stuck with me in my brain. And, and obviously then I knew exactly how to how to sell, you know, and I loved it, you know, and I still love it today. You know, that's what I love. And what is the art of selling? Well, it's being able to understand I mean, business is about two things. It's about solving a problem or serving a need. So you've got to establish somebody's need to be able to, to make them want to buy off you for a first instance. So you need to know what their problem is. So it's asking lots of open-ended questions about them and not going in with, if I met you now and I was trying to sell you a membership for my networking company for Intrabiz, I wouldn't be saying, oh, do you want to buy a networking membership? You know, you ask lots of questions, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, what is it about yourself that, you know, what, what is it that you do? Who is your typical client? So are you looking for more business? And most people are always looking for more business. So you get them to say yes. So how are you getting your business at the moment? And you might say, well, oh, well, I'm, I'm advertising in a magazine, but that's not very good for me. And I'm doing some pay-per-click advertising online. And that's not, not good for me either. So then I would say, well, do you think that people buy from people? And hopefully you would say, you know, most people do say, yes, of course, people buy from people. Well, I've got a, a networking company whereby a lot of companies are doing lots of business because they've built up good relationships. Would that be of interest to you, that you could actually get more clients through the power of building relationships? And most people would say, well, yeah, tell me a little bit more about it. And then you go into a little bit more about what it is that, that I do. But you've got to establish somebody's need first before you can go in for the sale. Because anybody can ring anybody up and say, oh, hi, I'm Tracy from Intrabiz and I sell memberships for my network. Would you be interested? It doesn't work like that. You've got to ring people up and ask them lots of open-ended questions so that you get a better feel for their business to see how you can help them. Like I spoke to a lady earlier on and she said, oh, I'm looking to raise my profile and really get more visibility online and get my name out there. And I said, well, that's something that I can potentially help you with because we've got a big following on social media. We've got our regular networking events and within our community, a lot of people are buying from each other. Would that be of interest to you? And she said, yes. So you don't just go straight with, hi, Deborah, I've got a membership club, you know, would you be interested? You've got to find out because they might say, well, no, I'm fully booked <laughs> for the next three years. <laughs> you know, so you need to find out people and, and ask them questions like, you know, are you busy all of the time or do you have like a lull in your business? And most people have lulls, you know, not everybody is busy all of the time, but if they are, you can't necessarily help them. And then you say, how far ahead are you booked up? If somebody says, I don't have any budget, well, when would you be in a position to have any budget? You know, you are, you've allocated a budget for so long. When is it that that budget will become available again? So you ask lots of questions so that you can then go back in with, and if it's four months down the line, so be it. And if they're not ready yet, so be it. It's all about the timing and whether they have the money and whether they're, they're prepared to spend money. And, you know, you show them the value that you can bring, you know, bring, bring to them as a business. It shows you how valuable and important patience and time is at that moment. Absolutely. And was that kind of one of the biggest lessons you had to learn in understanding the art of selling? Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, there is an art to it. Like I always got told that there's a process called AIDA, which is A-I-D-A, -A, an acronym, and it stands for attention, interest, desire and action. So you get their, their attention first by saying, you know, I, I've got something that I might be able to add value to your business. How would you like to earn an extra 20% on your bottom line? 
for instance. That's the attention. They're like, oh, tell me more. Then the I is the interest. You start to get the interest because then you start asking questions about them to build up, a, obviously, a, a picture of what they're about and say, well, I've got this or I've got clients that's doing this at the moment and they're spending, they're coming to our events and they're getting lots of business in this sector. That is obviously your target audience. Would that be interest for you to get more clients in that sector? And they're going to say, well, yes, because they've already told you that. So you, you get them to say yes on a lot of occasions. So you get their desire, which is the D. So you start to build the desire. And I always say there's obviously there's a lot of people out there at the moment. They go to a networking event. I'll give you an example, say an accountant. An accountant will go to a networking event and I'll say, oh, hi, I'm Tracy from Interbiz. And they will say, hi, I'm Brad, I'm an accountant. People aren't interested whether you're an accountant or not. What they're interested in is can you help them make money, save money and save them time. So I would get more interested if an accountant said to me, I'm Brad from XYZ accountancy firm. I can help you save money, make more money and save you a lot of time. Would that be of interest to you? Hell yes, it would. Do you see what I mean? So there's a difference of what people say and how they say it. There's, you know, people are not interested in what you do. They're interested in why you do what you do, but they're also interested in what they can get out of it. So you've got to work backwards, if you like, and think, well, what is it I've got to do to achieve that? You know, for them to say yes to me, what sort of questions do I have to ask them? So that's where you get the desire going. And then obviously the action is the close. You get them to buy. So obviously you're looking for more clients then, sir. Yes, I am. Well, obviously this networking, you know, my networking organization, we do regular events. We're getting lots of people building the community, building relationships and lots of businesses getting done. Would that be of interest to you? Yes. Let's have a look at the memberships and let, have a little look now. I've got the page in front of me. There's this membership, this membership and this membership. We can go through that. I go through it with them. Which one would you like, sir? Which which membership would you like to buy? Most people go for the middle package. So I usually say to them, there's the bigger package, there's the smaller package, and there's the medium package. You know, what what sort of um, package that attracts you? Which one would you think you'd be interested in? You want them to go for the bigger package because it's more revenue. And if it's a smaller package, you say, well, this is the smaller one and you only get X, but obviously this is the bigger packages and you, you get X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Um, and for that, it's only... XYZ money. But don't forget, for that money, you are getting XYZ. So it's what you call cushioning the cost. So you tell them the benefits, you then tell them the price, and then you reiterate the benefits again. And that's what I was always taught, is that you cushion the cost. You shout out the benefits and you whisper the price. So for this price, you're going to get A, B, C, D, E, F, G, which is only going to cost you £2,000. Before that £2,000, you are going to get, so you reiterate what they're going to get, so they don't remember the £2,000 when you've said it, they remember the benefits because that's what the last thing that you've said to them. And that is the art of selling, that you have to go through the process. Wow. that's, that's, that's <laughs> you, don't, you don't think that. You think, oh yeah, this is how it works. But if you and I are speaking, you're selling me something and I say no or yes, which way would you fish if I said no and then said yes? Well, well, if somebody says no, say, oh, what, why do you feel that way? Have you had a bad experience? Like somebody might say to me, oh, no, I hate. And say, really, what, you know, you must have had a bad experience then at networking. Have you, where did you go? And then they tell me what has happened. And there's certain networks out there that you have to go every week. You have to bring referrals and you have to, you know, you, you have to attend all the time. And if you don't, they'll kick you out. So a lot of people don't like that. I'll say to them, well, actually, we don't do it that way. We do it this way. So does that sound better to you? Oh, my gosh, yes. And then they may have they may have another objection. They may have two or three objections. But there's two types of objections. There's a true objection and a false objection. A false objection is not they just say something just as an excuse. So it could be, oh, I haven't got the money. Oh, I can't afford it at the moment. They probably can afford it. A lot of people can, but they can't see the value. 
And like I say to my sales team, an objection really is one thing. It's a lack of information. You haven't given them enough information to make them want to buy. So you just need to dig a little bit deeper and ask them a few more questions and just delve that little bit deeper. But the other thing I got told is what you call ABC, always be closing. The quicker you can make the close, the quicker you can go on to your next potential client. So if you can make a close within 10, 15 minutes, happy days. If you see an opportunity where you can close the deal and sell to them and, and close that deal, you don't need to take an hour or two hours to close the deal because if the opportunity's there and they're hot to say yes, get it as quick as you can so you've got the next person to go on to because you might then sell five, five clients in one day as opposed to maybe one or two because you've spent too long on, on the, the presentation. Sounds like you're a tiger hunting for the prey in, in Transcend. <laughs> whatever it is. Oh, you know, I, I, to be honest with you, I'm not, uh, I don't, you know, pounce on people, but I, I literally, as I'm talking to you, this is how I talk to people and just say, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, let, let me get a feel for your business to see how I can help you. And that's what I tend to do, you know. I don't go in this parrot fashion, oh, I've got to ask this question at this current climate. Whenever I go and see a new client or I'm talking to somebody, I never go straight in for the business straight away. I like to ask questions about them to build up the trust and build up the rapport. Because when you build the rapport, that is when people become a little bit more relaxed in the scenario. So when they're more relaxed, they know you're not going to be necessarily, you know, give it that hard-faced uh, sales call, you know? It's interesting how you approach it. You approach it like you're going to shoot something or fishing, and it sounds like you kind of fish a little bit and then you catch the fish and that's your sale. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. But, it, you know, as I say, it's done in a very natural way. Yeah. And I just want to, you know, generally talk to people. And I think, you know, I always got told when I was a little girl, I was nosy. And I think the nosier you are in a sales scenario, the better, because the more questions that you ask, that is when you can see more opportunities and there's more opportunities to close the deal or potentially sell the more products and services that you do have. Just shows you how powerful the question can be to get the person to that moment of making a decision, yes or no, to make it sale or not. Absolutely, yeah, in indeed. So you're climbing the, the roads and the, the tele-sales. How did that feel for you to see the progress you were making through the ranks? Oh, it, you know, it was uh, very motivating. You know, it, you, you obviously feel good about yourself because you feel successful. And obviously you get recognition for it. And I had, you know, lovely little trophies that I took home. And my mum and dad were very proud of me because obviously I was always the type of girl that wasn't necessarily a good student in school, but I became a good worker in the workplace and, uh, and was quite successful. And then when I got promotion to sales manager and was running a team of seven people, I never had massive teams. They were always fairly small teams, but I quite liked that because it, it was very intimate. I really got to know my team and, and they loved working with me, you know, and I, I didn't I didn't ever say that they worked for me. It was always they worked with me because we worked together as a team and I never asked them to do anything that they know I couldn't do myself. And I said that from day one, that I would always be there to support them um, and that I would always ask them to do something that I could do myself, you know. That was obviously successful for me because my team worked really hard for me. Um, and, you know, I know that um, the secrets of management when you're in management is to, you know, help and motivate the team and make them feel that they are working towards something greater than themselves, you know. And, and, and as a collective, that we did it together. It wasn't a case of I hit the target, you know, although I, the target was given to me, it was a joint team target and we all had to do it together. And that was amazing. And, and it was a really good vibe. And, you know, we had we had a lot of fun, but it was hard work. But um, it was big achievement, you know, and it made you feel as though, you know, you'd achieved something in your life, you know, when you ha when you had that. And, and everyone was proud to be working on my team because we were super successful. Sounds like your team was play hard, work hard. Yeah. 
work hard, play harder. That's my motto. I think you'll probably see that on my Facebook page. I always say that. Work hard, but play harder. Why is that your motto? Because I think everybody works hard, but you've got to enjoy life as well, because this life is not a rehearsal. You're only here the once, so you have to enjoy it. There's no point in living to work. I work to live, to have a good lifestyle, to have nice things in my life, to give my children nice things. If you do it the other way round, you know, your work comes your life and it will rule you and it should be the other way round. And, you know, I, I believe in having fun. You know, I love working hard, but I, I always say work smarter, but at the same time, play harder. I love that approach. You know, it's the way everyone should look at doing what they do instead of being trapped by their passion and love at the same time. Absolutely. And, you know, I speak to a lot of students. I'm a big ideas role model for Welsh Government. And I, you know, only a couple of times a year uh, because I'm super busy, but I do go into schools to speaking to students and I'll have some of them come up to me after my talk and say oh I want to do something I'd love to do my own business but I'm not sure what I want to do and the first question I always ask them is what are you passionate about what is it that you love what is it that would make you get up out of bed every day and never dread getting up out of bed every day because if you do something that you love it is never a job it's a lifestyle and I love people I love putting on events, I love what I do, and I I never get up in the morning thinking, oh, I got work today, you know? Yes, we have good days, and yes, we have bad days, but it's how you deal with it. And those bad days will take you through to the good times, you know, you, you, you've just got to motivate yourself and think, you know, I always like to think of the positive rather than the negative. So if I'm having a bad day, I think, well, I'm going to be getting to some good days very shortly, you know? And, you know, you get frustrations like everybody, but at the same time, um, it's how you deal with it. What motivates you to do what you do? Um, I think it's the fact that, you know, I, I will leave something for my children of value. You know, obviously that the impact that it will have had on millions of people, because obviously what, what I want to go into more now is the networking training, because there's a lot of people out there that don't know how to network effectively to grow their businesses. And so I want to really make a, a massive impact on people by teaching them in the right way so that if I teach people how to network effectively, the economy the economy is going to be so much better because of it. And that is what I want to be able to leave. Tell us about how you got Charan Nitcher as your mentor. We went to an event up in London to hear her speak with one of our friends. He was one of our members at the time, Rob Warlow. Um, he told us about this event and he said, there's three speakers up in London. And he said, this lady, Sharon Lecter, we went up to see them all speak. And I sat in the audience and I thought, oh my God, wow. She just, she resonated with me. And I just thought she's an amazing lady. She worked with Barack Obama and George Bush on the Financial Literacy Board in, uh, in America for the White House. You know, she was just an incredible woman. She built a $50 million brand with Robert Koyosaki. And, uh, and I just really respected what she did. And I remember sat in the audience. And at the time, Paul came with me, my husband, who now works in the business, um, used to be in retail. So he was manager of stores in Cardiff men's fashion houses. And he didn't really understand the concept of networking. And when he came up to, to this event to see Sharon, we both sat in the audience and I, and I sat there quietly thinking, oh, one day I'd love to share the stage with that lady. She's so powerful. She's so respectful. You know, she was so humble. But, you know, with the things that she'd done, I just really loved what she stood for. So I, set, I just thought that in my mind very quietly. And then Paul nudged me and he actually had a light bulb moment because I was trying to persuade him to come into the business with me. And he kept saying, go and give up intrabiz and go and get yourself a real job because it was a very small business, but I had a very big vision with a big idea and I wanted to take this business global. But it wasn't earning a huge amount of money when I first started. So Paul thought, oh my God, you could do so much better by just going to get a job and get, get paid more money and this will be better for you. And I said, no, 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 I'm doing this. 
this is what I want to do. So he said, fine. So when he came up and heard them all speak, they all, all three entrepreneurs, there was Kevin Green, Andy Harrington and Sharon Lecter. And they all said one thing, it's who you network with. But Sharon said something else and said, it's how you leverage those connections. And Paul sat there in the audience, he nudged me and he said, oh my God, he said, now I know what you're trying to achieve with Intrabiz. And I said, what do you mean? He went, think of all those football players and business owners that I have dressed in the shop when they've gone into him to buy suits. Imagine if I could get all of those guys to join the network, that would be cool, wouldn't it? And I went, yes, it would. So he came in the business with me and we started to build the business and we'd, we'd actually met Sharon Lecter and we had a photo with her on the day of the event. And then we connected with her on LinkedIn and about two years went by and all of a sudden in the inbox, he said, oh, I said to Paul, oh my God, I've had a, a message from Sharon Lecter. She's setting up a mentoring group. She wants to start mentoring people. I said, wouldn't it be cool if she could be our mentor and if she came over and spoke at our expo? So we took her on as our mentor and we've been very good friends with her ever since. And although I don't pay her anymore, in my eyes, she's still my mentor because she taught us a lot and she's an amazing lady. And her and her husband, Michael, they're just incredible people, you know? And we've actually stayed at her house. So, um, you know, she treated us like her children. She was, she was amazing, very nurturing, very warm, very knowledgeable and very powerful, but very, very humble and a lovely woman. It's interesting how that resonated with you to be with her as a mentor and probably what did she teach you to help you grow your own business? Oh, she taught me loads. She taught me absolutely loads. And, you know, I'll never forget one thing she always said, you know, business is never about you. It's always about other people and what you can do for them. And it's how you get them to solve a problem or serve a need. And she, she's always instilled those words to me about solving a problem or serving a need, always. And, and as I said, you know, if I was having a bad day or I'd had a bad week and I spoke to her then on the monthly call, she always used to say, celebrate your wins. Yes, there's always going to be challenging times through business. You have your ups and your downs, but always celebrate your wins because it will get you in a better positive mindset rather than thinking of the negative bad things that have happened in the week. And that was, you know, that was quite impactful to me. I like that. It's, it's such a great statement. Celebrate your wins. Your challenges will come later. Just focus on what you've succeeded in at that moment. Absolutely. How did Interbiz come about? I know you've told us a little bit about at that point where you were sitting in the ex- in the event when Sharon Lynch was there. But how did that come about? But I was working for a guy in South Wales and I was selling advertising space because I left the, the Western Mail and Echo, went on to work for the South Wales Argus in Newport, Then I did some selling of billboard advertising, you know, the roadside billboards, you know, these big boards on the road. So I did that for a little while. My last job was working for a local business magazine. And my boss at the time said, I want you to go out networking. I said, networking, what's all that about then? And he said, well, you go to these events, you swap your business cards and you sell advertising space to them. So I said, fine. So I went to the first event and I'll never forget it, actually. I loved it. I really loved it. And I thought, oh, this is great because I'm meeting lots of new people and my boss is paying me to go meet these people. And it was a really nice environment. But the first three months of networking, I didn't get any business because I was trying to sell to people. And I would be that pushy sales girl that would go up to people and say, hi, I'm Tracy from Enterprise Magazine. I sell advertising space. You know, do you think that would be good for you? Would you be interested in that? So I was literally, although I was a salesperson, I was going straight for the kill. Um, didn't realize or understand the concept of networking. And then it's only three months later when I didn't get any business, 
I said to a couple of people who I had built up a good relationship with, thank goodness, I think I'm doing something wrong because I'm not getting any business. And they said, oh, I said, am I doing anything? And you know, that's not good. And they went, yeah. And then they said I was trying to sell to them and I was just too forceful and that networking was about building relationships. So although I'm running a networking company now and I do a lot of networking training, I completely sucked at it when I first did it and I was useless. Luckily for me, I got honest feedback and I think that's always good to get honest feedback, to get constructive criticism so that you can become better. And obviously I learned the um, the craft of networking skills from month four to month 12. A couple of people said to me, just focus on other people, ask about them, see how you can help them. And that's what I started to do. And I started to naturally connect them to other people. I was always a natural connector, but I hadn't really done it in the networking scenario. So I started to do that and then more business started to come to me because people could see I was helping them. And I went on to sell 95,000 pounds worth of business in eight months. And I thought, wow, this is powerful stuff. But what I'd noticed, there was no networks out there that would necessarily strategically place you with your target audience at the event. So I created my own USP and said, well, I think I'll just create my own. And I loved it so much in the end. I wanted to set up my own network. But at the time, I didn't have the money. And I went to one of my clients, who was one of my advertisers in the magazine, and said, listen, John, I'm thinking of doing this. What do you think? And he said, and I said, but I haven't got much money to do it. And he said, I tell you what, I like the idea of that. I'll help you set it up. So he became a shareholder. We were joint partners in the business. He funded it for me. But a few months later, it wasn't growing quick enough for him. And I had problems with my throat and I was constantly being sick all the time. So um, in the end, he gave me the business because I'd earned him enough money to more than cover his costs. So he gave it to me because he, he was involved in about six or seven other businesses and he didn't have time for it. But I had this big vision for my company, but obviously I knew it was gonna take quite a long time to do and he wasn't prepared to do that. He just wanted a quick win with the business and, and I knew it wasn't gonna be that. Did you feel that your skills of selling kind of changed when you started selling to network marketers or marketing in some way? Yeah, it did because obviously when you're you're selling in the physical capacity, you know, you go and see a client, but this was about engaging with just new people to start with. So we had to be a softer sell and it was more about just connecting first and then maybe the sell would happen later on down the line. So it was a slower process and a slower burn. However, when I started to build good relationships with people, then it exploded more because I'd done all the good groundwork of meeting new people and they got to know me and then they started referring me on to other people and got recommended to speak to other people. So if you do it right, it can it takes a little bit longer, but then obviously it can be a lot bigger and you know it can grow that much better. Which do you rather prefer, selling physical products or connecting people? Connecting people. Why? Because I love people and I love seeing what, when I connect people together, I mean, I'm selling anyway, because I'm selling my business. I'm an, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I'm, I'm gonna sell my business anyway. So I'm still selling, but I love the connecting of, of people together because I know that's when the magic happens. That's when lots of business is done. One of my friends, she met her business partner at one of my Intrabiz events. They're no longer business partner. She sold the business to her, but they built it up over three years and she sold it for a profit to her partner and she walked away and exited the business. Well, that was good business. So, and she met her through Intrabiz. She's also one of the wealth coaches for Kevin Green, who's a serial entrepreneur in West Wales. He's a property millionaire and she's one of his coaches. That, and she met him at the Intrabiz Expo and she's she's earning money from that as well. So that's had a massive impact on her life from us doing that for her, you know? so. I know there's a lot of people out there that have earned thousands and thousands of pounds from being connected to us or us 
as connecting them to other people. You mentioned magic. What does the magic look like when you connect someone and business is done? The magic is when people connect and they do business and they become friends first. So they become friends, they ha- they share experiences together, but, you know, they bond and they become like a, a stronger community, if you like, um, with each other, a stronger friendship. And through that str- strength of their friendship, business will follow. So when you see lots of people doing lots of business and, you know, I, I, I did a podcast with one of my members this morning, Carol Ann, and she's, since she's been a member of Intrabiz, she's now, one of her clients is the Intrabiz franchisee in Sweden. So she's working with her. She's got about three or four other clients recently from her coming to Intrabiz and then wanting to connect with her and reaching out to her, you know? So it's when you see other people flourish, doing lots of business and picking up lots of new clients and building relationships with people and maybe doing collaborations that's when you know that you, the magic has happened, you know? It's interesting how people connecting creates magic. I think that's cool. Yeah, it is. It's, it's amazing. And that probably inspires you as well to, to see all that happening and say, oh, wow, this is cool. And, and kind of little bubbles inside of excitement to see all the business being created through networks and the people you're connecting. Absolutely. That's my biggest passion, is seeing that. But obviously, you know, we get paid for connecting people and clients. And, but that's what business is, isn't it? You know, we're not doing it for nothing. But at the same time, we're doing something to, to help other people grow and, and have their network grow and their businesses grow and their bank balance. <laughs> that's what I love to see, that I've made a difference to them. And I think people forget that, you know, business is business. You, you can't get business for free, but it requires some hard work for that to be done. Yeah, absolutely. Tracy, do you have like a routine to get you mentally prepared to to do business and to sell and to connect people no i am what i am i'm and, and it's funny um some people say oh you know have you got two personas i've been asked that many occasions and i said no i'm i'm exactly the same with my friends as i am in my business yes i have a more professional head on as in you know i can be quite loud and i'll laugh really loud and things and i can perhaps be a bit silly when i'm with my friends and i'll shake my little hips and have a dance and all that sort of stuff i wouldn't necessarily do that in a in a sales presentation or things like that but i i'm the same person as in i've got the same personality i am no different in that sense i think maybe just when i'm you know on a stage i'm obviously got a more of a professional slightly serious head on me than than in my um, personal life when i'm with friends but apart from that no i am pretty much the same through my business life and my personal life and when you speak on stage, do you get nerves beforehand or are you just like, oh, this is another speech? I suppose if it was a very big audience, I would have butterflies, but I think that's good because it then creates adrenaline. It's good to have to be nervous because it just shows that you're conscientious and you care because obviously I'm nervous because I want to make sure I deliver for people and you don't want to make a fool of yourself. You know, you want to, you want to make sure that you deliver a good service to people, that you add value to other people's lives. And obviously, you know, having that nerves in you, hopefully, gives you that adrenaline to make you want to deliver in a you know in an impactful way nerves means you means you care do you feel that when you have to deliver for a client or for a sale yeah absolutely you know you, you just want to make sure that you give the best i always say be the best that you can be when you're in your work in life you know and, and in your personal life you know if, if you deliver the best that you can be people are grateful there's nothing else you can offer once you're the best absolutely <laughs> you mentioned you the podcast tell us about how you kind of stumbled or came across that yeah, so I obviously with lockdown and coronavirus now, um, we're, we're at home a lot. Um, I've been on about doing the, the podcasting for a while and I just wanted to create something so that we could raise the profile of Intrabiz. And then after about two days, I thought, well, I'm doing podcasts myself. Why don't I start interviewing my members to get them out there and give them a better profile? 
So that's basically what we did. And so we created the, the podcast on Anchor so, and then st- I've started interviewing a lot of the members so that it gets them out there more. And then we put that up on Facebook and on our social media platforms and on our website so they get better profiling and, uh, and give them more value, you know, in this current climate. It's always good to support your clients. In this climate, do you feel like your, your business and who you are have kind of pivoted and changed as well? Yeah, you, you, you have to pivot because things change and you know, who, who would have predicted this? Nobody would have predicted this. Business is very fast paced. If something changes, you have to adhere to it and you have to go with the flow because if you don't, you know, you'll get stuck and you'll get left behind. I mean, look at what happened with Woolworths. Brilliant brand for many years, but they became outdated. They didn't move with the times. They didn't see what was coming. They were they they, they were stuck in the in the dark ages and hence the, they went into liquidation and, and, and shut down, you know? so. It's a shame, but you always have to move, you know, with the times. Because if you don't, you will, as I say, you will get left behind. Dance with the music, and I think the music's the life, and business is the dance. So how do you dance with this? <laughs> Definitely. You live a very busy life in your professional life. Is there any way you can relax and calm and switch off? Oh yes, I always switch off on the weekend. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't switch off completely. I wouldn't say that on a Friday evening I'm done until Monday morning because that's not the case. We're always thinking of new ways of improving the business. And, you know, we never like to rest on our laurels. We're always constantly thinking of new things. We'll chat about new things, especially as we work together as a husband and wife team. Um, So it's good in that perspective that we can speak to each other about the business. But, you know, I still fairly switch off on the weekend, you know, and I know um, we spoke to Lord Sugar. And he, you know, I asked him, you know, does he work 24-7? Does he work seven days a week? And he said, no, Monday to Friday. And he, he does switch off on the weekend himself. You know, yes, you're not going to switch off completely because when is your business and it's your baby, you want to um, think of new ideas. You're not going to say, oh, it's a Sunday afternoon. I'm not going to talk about business or think about business. That doesn't happen. But I do switch off as in, you know, I go and have fun on the weekend, whether it be when we're not in lockdown, going to you know, have a drink with friends. But you usually find me on the weekend, on the beach, with my three cabochon dogs, um, and then go in for coffee and cake afterwards. And we sometimes go out for dinner. And the other thing I like to do is is go for a spa and have a nice couple's massage with my husband. Um, we go to a lovely place in Panath overlooking the sea called uh, Home House. And it's one of our favorite places. We usually go there for breakfast and have eggs benedict and nice latte. And then we also go for a spa and, you know, have a massage and, and get pampered. Because when you work hard, you do get tired and your body gets tired, especially when you do events. So you do have to switch off and enjoy life as well. So, you know, and I, I spend time with my family on the weekends and my children and, uh, and yeah, going out for walks with the dogs. I love to go out for a walk with the dogs, especially, you know, every evening we tend to go for a walk with the dogs. So it's, it's good, especially in the summer. How do you find working with your partner in business, but your husband in life? That must be a tricky, but yes, rewarding at the same time. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we have our moments where we will disagree with things and we will argue. Um, you know, life is not a bed of roses. And, you know, I'd be lying if I, if I said it was. You know, it is a challenge sometimes, especially when you both have different beliefs on certain things. So yes, it can be very challenging sometimes, but you've got to learn to compartmentalize it um, so that if you're saying something, and, and quite often we might argue in business and then half past five, six o'clock comes and then I'll go up to him or I'll give him a cuddle and say, hello, husband, um, I'm not your business partner now, I'm your wife. And, you know, we'll have a bit of a laugh and uh, and then we'll obviously um, be husband and wife, not not business partners. And I think that's important to do that. And it's important. And I think sometimes like we've been really, really busy 
we've probably neglected each other lately because of you know this pressure of coronavirus and you know wanting to serve your clients and a lot of our clients have been furloughed so you know there's extra pressure on us to make sure that we deliver and support our clients so we've been really working hard you know to try and do that and we've probably neglected ourselves a little bit so I think um, you know we just need to take a little bit of time out for ourselves but yeah it can be challenging on times of course I think that's the same with anyone I think so too regardless of intimate or business relationship it's the same yeah absolutely in everything you've done so far you probably have made mistakes to get to where you are is there any quick way of surpassing those mistakes to get to where you are yes i've made lots of mistakes in my life you know like things like cash flow and i've taken too much money out of the business when money was coming in and not you know looking forward of the bills that were happening so uh, and i'm quite open about that but uh, and i've obviously trusted a lot of people where they've said they would do things for me and it hasn't happened because i am quite a trust i used to be quite a trusting person um now i don't trust so easily and recommend so easily unless i know somebody is is really good so anybody who is involved with us if i do recommend them they come highly recommended because i you know i've experienced what they've done for us potentially or what they've done for other clients so yeah you know i've made a lot of mistakes but it's how you learn from them and as long as you learn from them and don't make the same mistake again you know that that is a good thing i always say the bigger the failure the bigger the learn i like that there's no loss it's just learning and living no absolutely what is the biggest piece of business or the biggest sale that you've ever done so far there's a few there's obviously we've done headline sponsorship which is like £25,000 sponsorship we've obviously sold tickets to Necker Island with Sir Richard Branson because we went to Necker Island last year and that's £21,000 each so we've done some big sales there obviously other sponsorships you know hopefully in the near future we'll be doing mentoring and coaching with networking training but for me it's not necessarily about the biggest sale it's about the biggest what you know the biggest change win that we can create for people and i think that that is more important to me than the actual biggest revenue yes we all want to earn lots of money but i think when you can make a, a massive impact on somebody's life and their business that's just as important to me and, and as just as motivating as you know or somebody that's you know they, they've started off small and they've become bigger you know and, and like i said about my friend dawn you know watch you know the people that she's met and who she's working with at the moment and she came to necker island last year with us and i persuaded her to come she was writing a book um the aj anuda book and it was all about two little cartoon characters this little book was all about first aid so it was teaching children from a young age how to do first aid and i said well if you come to necker island you've got to bring your book so she did because she, she had it printed she showed it to richard branson and he loved it and so much so, he said to her, I want to bring this into the... He said, if you do a story with me, as if I've had an accident on Necker, and he's fallen off his bike many times, and he was telling her about it. And he said, if you do a story like that, he said, we'll sell it in the, the, the Necker shop. And that was like, I was so pleased for her, because that's going to really raise her profile. And she will write the book now for Sir Richard. Um, and I said, do one for his grandchildren as well. So that's massive. It is massive. But I'm pleased for her, you know, it's like she agreed to come to NECA and through that now, hopefully this opportunity could, could land her bigger things to come. You just don't know where it's going to lead you. So that's super exciting for her. And I'm glad that I was a part of it, that, you know, that obviously uh, she came because of me persuading her to come, you know? Yeah. And it, it seems like from listening to you and hearing the stories, A, you influenced for the better of the individual. And I think second of all, you excited about the success that that individual brings to their life to advance their life at the same time. Absolutely. And, you you know, we always say, you know, my husband always says there's two types of people in life. There's givers and there's takers. There are plenty of takers out there and there are plenty of 
people that don't promote people or lift them up. And, you know, we, we like to lift a lot of people up. You know, I've just recently created a group with Dawn, my friend, actually, that, that came to NECA with me on Facebook called Inspirational Women of the World. We're up to about nearly 1,800 people, so we'll be on 2,000 people probably by Sunday, which has only taken us three weeks to get 2,000 women into the group. It's a very uplifting and positive environment, and we're being very supportive of women. We're letting them promote their, themselves. We're giving them advice and tips, and it's all free. And they're they're connecting to a lot of women inside that group. So it's um it's all exciting stuff. How do you know if the person is right for, for you to teach them and to advance them to their awesome self? Um, it's whether or not they make that decision if they want me to coach them um, and if they show up every week. You know, like I had somebody recently that wanted to buy some coaching and mentoring off me and they haven't got the money right now. And I said, that's fine. But I said, when you have, come back to me. But I said, you know, I will make you accountable. I said, I'm not going to coach you unless you are prepared to show up every month. Because if you don't show up, you're obviously not that committed and you're not interested. So for me, it's all about accountability accountability and showing up and it, if if they're not going to do that and they're not prepared to do that there's no point in me taking their money and I won't take their money just for them to not turn up I would rather that, say to them keep your money until you are in a position to, to to be accountable and to show up every month I'm you know for me it's not about just taking money off people I'm not about that I'm about making a difference to people and adding value to them so they become better because of it because of my coaching you know it's like a seed you put the seed into the ground when it grow into a tree but if the seed doesn't grow what's the point of planting the seed like yeah absolutely if someone met you on the street and asked you for one piece of advice tracy what would it be be kind to people because if you're kind to people it's amazing what comes back if you're horrible to people i'm, I'm a great believer in karma so just be kind to, to, to people i always want to surround myself with nice people because if you're nice you attract niceness and if, if you were kind to people, they will always remember you because of it. And then it will come back to you in other ways. It's like a, a slot machine. Whatever you put in is whatever you get out. It's a bit like a marriage, isn't it? Yeah. You know, relationship. You know, it's all about you know, like being like a marriage. You've got to show up. You've got to put, put into an effort into a relationship. It's not about, oh, we've met each other. Right, we're in a relationship. We're friends now. Well, you've got to put a little bit more into it than that. You've got to build the, the rapport. You've got to build the trust, the no like, and trust scenario. Um, and then eventually the business will follow, you know? Yeah. And never judge a book by its cover. That's another thing I would say. Because people have prejudged me or somebody might prejudge someone and you never know who they know. It's like you can bring the horse to drink water, but does the horse want to drink water? I think the same applies. Yeah, absolutely. Tracy, you probably have to read books and understand to keep your mind and your, your body moving with the times of network business and everything you do. Oh, yes. I read a lot of books. I'm always ordering loads of books on Amazon, but they're all business books. I Many years ago, before I was in business, I used to read Danielle Steele and, you know, all those, you know, Jackie Collins books. But now I, all I all I buy is, is business books because I want to become better. Because if I become better and I have more knowledge that I can apply, I can also, when I'm mentoring and coaching my mentees, that's why I took Sharon Lecter on as my mentor, so that I could become better and learn from the best, so that I could then pass that knowledge, transfer that knowledge to other people so that they become better. So I've invested in myself, myself to, to obviously invest in, in my mentees. Excellent. I get the feeling that in order to make your clients the best and mentor them the best, you have to advance and be driven to get to that stage to advance those people. Absolutely. And I, I know we had Jarek Robbins, Tony Robinson, on um, two weeks ago. And he said, you've got to have nine people around you, right? He said, three people who are above you, as in not like, you know, in a, in a bad way, meaning people who are more successful than you, that you were aiming to achieve to get to their level. 
people who are on the same level as you, maybe that's got the same success as you, so that you can work together and, and get better. So you're striving to be better. Uh, and But obviously those people who are above you learn from them. And then the people below you, meaning they're not quite as successful as you, but you can help them along the way. And I thought that was a good analogy of, uh, you know, of having nine good people around you. I thought that was that was really good. It sounded like an elevator going through the three, <laughs> three floors. Yes, definitely. Tracy, if you could go back and, and tell your, your younger self advice, what would it be? Learn about money, learn about business, because it will take you a long way and learn how to communicate with people. Obviously, just be kind to everyone. But if I if I had my time over again, I would have taken a mentor much, much earlier in my business, right from day one, because I think everybody should have a mentor because we all don't know everything. And I think it's good to have a mentor around us to make us accountable and to learn from people who are better than yourself, who have been there, done it and got the T-shirt. You need the T-shirt to say, I have a mentor. <laughs> That's what I think anyway. When you're young, you're just so driven to say, I don't need it. But actually, I think young people should have mentors to graft them to their awesome self quicker than going through the, the hardship or the mistakes of the journey. Well, that's right. And that's, and that's what I always say to my mentees. I'll teach you the mistakes that I've made so that you don't make those mistakes. They might make other mistakes because that's life. You know, we all make mistakes, but it's just minimizing those mistakes by taking a mentor on and guiding them hopefully down the right path. And that's what I love about it because I love nurturing people i love you know empowering people and helping them to become better and more successful than they are at the moment what does success look for you well success looks it's different for a lot of people you know some people are success they think when they got a million pounds in the bank you know it could be that you've got you know it's not necessarily always about money and i would say with us we have we're rich in friendships and relationships you know, we have many people that we've got very good relationships with, and that I think is a success. I think we have a credible brand. People respect what we've done, and we've got obviously a lot of good people around us. I think having good people around you and nice people around you, that for me is success. You know, everybody is motivated by different forms of success, and people want, you know, other people, like I know a lot of the millennials, success to them is working less and then having more time to party and enjoy life, but they've still got money coming in. You know, that could be different to what somebody else wants. It's whatever you're motivated by, you know, so whatever your motivation is, if you can reach what you're motivated by is, and, and you can achieve that and in your goals, that is success. But everyone's success path is different because we're all motivated by different things, you know. Some people want a nice flashy car. Other people might want a nice house. Other people might want six holidays a year rather and, and drive around in a battered old car and live in a smaller house. You know, so everyone's got different motivations and, and success is, uh, is in different ways. What comes to my mind listening to that is the, you know, the Robert Frost poem where you take one road and it brings you on another road and you don't know where that road's going to lead you. That's right. And yet you're still being success turns in different ways, like a Rubik's Cube, you turn it 10 different ways. And once the colors all connect, there you go. Absolutely. And I always say there's lots of opportunities all floating around the universe, but it's whether you see them and it's whether you act on them. And a lot of people don't see opportunities and they don't act on them or they might see them, but they don't act. You have to grab life by the balls. That's what I say. And, and get out there and make opportunities happen for yourself. And my three favorite little words is make it happen. Or the Nike, just do it. Yeah, or just do it, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> you said there that sometimes people don't see the opportunity that's in front of them. Why is that? Because people, some people just don't understand what the opportunities are, you know, and there's a lot of people who maybe are judgmental. They just don't see that, you know, they're, they're not commercial in their minds or they're not a visionary. You know, they're, they're just very tunnel vision, you know, and, and, you know, there's so many different types of personalities out there, you know, but you've just got to, you know, I think there are a lot more people that do see opportunities now, especially with social media. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that don't because they're in a different mindset, perhaps, you know, and there's a business and success is all about mindset. You know, it's, it's you in a growth mindset or, or you in a, you know, a negative mindset, you know. Out of all the, the people you've spent time with, either in events or one-to-ones, what are the lessons that grafted you to, to a point where you feel like you're edging towards self-mastery in some way? I don't know. I'm not sure. But, you know, I just genuinely love connecting to people and and helping them, you know, and I think the more I can help, you know, the happier I am by helping others, you know. I think that's all right when you help others, creates a smile on their face and your face at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I like to give rather than to receive. It's lovely to receive, don't get me wrong. And we've had some lovely little gifts of some of my clients. And I had um, I had some cakes delivered. A gentleman who's on, a friend of mine on Facebook, I've never met him in the flesh, but um, him and his wife have been following what we've been doing, giving lots of free tips and advice on financial freedom and all that sort of thing. He messaged me the other day saying, I'm, you've been so kind and given lots of value um, and you've helped me and my wife, I'm gonna make you some cakes. And he dropped some cakes off outside the front door. In fact, they were flapjacks and bar of brith cake. So um, we wolfed the, the bar of breath down and, uh, and now we've had the, the flapjack, so they've gone today now. <laughs> and I had a, a lovely little candle of one of my members, Jen Hall. She did some work for us and it was a little gift in the post. In fact, it's on my mantelpiece. I'll read out what it says. It was really, it was really quite cute. And it says, Tracy and Paul, so it's got my name on it as well. Your impact can be seen in every relationship you help create. How lovely was that? Think that emulates what you do tracy in, in some way yeah and that you know i thought that that was really nice and that was just a really nice touch and and she sent it to me because she said well that's what i feel you know since since i've been working with you and and, and be, being a member of intrabiz that you've helped create some really good relationships with people and that that to me is success tracy where can people find you you can either find me on linkedin facebook or twitter I'm usually on Facebook all the time. <laughs> so I'm as Tracy Smolinski. Um, obviously, my LinkedIn is just Tracy Smolinski as well. So you can find me there. Or you can reach me on info at intrabiz.co.uk. And if anybody wants to give me a call, I'm quite happy and open to have a chat to anyone. And uh, my mobile details are on intrabiz.co.uk. Tracy, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And thank you so much for coming to the show and sharing what you guys share. It's been a blast. Uh, no problem. Thank you, Aaron, for having me on. It's been really grateful that you've invited me on today. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.